Happy New Year and welcome to episode 50 of the Real Person Real Needs podcast. Hope you all had a great holiday season. My family and I avoided any major sicknesses this year and managed to get through the holidays unscathed. We enjoyed our regular traditions of joining the Desiato side of the family for the annual Feast of the Seven Fishes. It was everything you'd expect from an Italian family. Lots of food, wine, and loud conversations. Oh, then I tried it. Stuff calamari. Look, I had I had duck liver. I had duck liver tonight, first time in my life, and I loved it. You never had one? Never had never had If I'm being honest, I believe I'm a slave to traditions. That's probably why seeing a community theater production of Fiddler on the Roof at the age of 13 was what turned me on to theater. Tradition! 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 Maybe it had less to do with the theater and more to do with the traditions. But anyway, every year we go to Center City, Philadelphia to see the Macy's Holiday Light Show and visit Dickens Village. This year, it was especially fun considering that I was in a Dickens-inspired murder mystery throughout the holiday season. Christmas just wouldn't be the same without these highlights. I guess I get it for my mom. I even put on the same vinyl record that we had growing up on Christmas morning. Goodyear presents The Great Songs of Christmas, Volume 5. Even my cats get into the holiday spirit. On Christmas Day, we had an abbreviated church service and then traveled to my in-laws up in Easton, PA. This year, we decided to add something new to our Christmas season, an event that may be added to the list of holiday traditions in the Desiato home. Two days after Christmas, we traveled to Lancaster to visit Dutch Wonderland. 
They opened their amusement park during the holiday season and cut the price of admission. The forecast called for warmer than usual temperatures, so we decided to try it out. Oh my gosh, can you imagine if it was like three years old? Oh. I don't think I'd be, I would enjoy it. No. <laughs> Is the right place for this? Thank you. We had a great time. My son Jesse and I shared a rather thrilling ride on the Turtle Whirl. The ride will start after you hear the bell. Please remain seated at all times. Now that I've lost the respect of every one of you for giggling like a schoolgirl on a rather tame carnival ride, I wanted to take a moment to discuss something very important, the subject of legacy. While spending all of this time with my family, I also had recently been going through and organizing our home movies. I recalled countless holidays from previous years, and in doing so, I remembered something that I discovered last Christmas. And what I learned in looking back on my life and family has given greater meaning to my life, the choices that I make, and the legacy that I want to leave to my children and grandchildren. So what did I learn over Christmas break? I was reminded that I don't really know much about my family heritage. You see, both my paternal and maternal grandfathers died before I got to know them. And sadly, aside from a few funny anecdotes every now and then at Christmas time, I don't really know that much about them. My father's father, Dr. Nicola Desiato, passed away when I was only three years old. And my mother's father, Joseph Beauchene, seven years before I was even born. Since the clock struck midnight on January 1st, I've thought a lot about these two men, these two strangers. I wonder what personality traits and genes that I have inherited from them. I also discovered that my life and business, Desiato Homes, in a lot of ways are carrying on not just my family name, but my family's legacy. These men and the way they lived their lives had a profound effect on their children, my parents, and no doubt I have been raised in such a way that my life and personality have spun off from the tapestry of their life experiences.
last Christmas Eve at my uncle's house, we also enjoyed the Feast of the Seven Fishes with the Desiato clan. Like I said, a family tradition. Once dinner was over, my uncle brought out a box of old memories that belonged to my grandmother, who passed away in 2013. Among the assortment of items, we uncovered an envelope. Inside this envelope was something that struck me and was the catalyst for my introspection and reflection. What we found was the original agreement of sale for the house that my great-grandfather purchased in Philadelphia in 1954, which would ultimately become the house in which my grandfather, Dr. Nicola Desiato, would establish his medical practice once he emigrated from Italy to America in 1959 with his wife and their first child. My father was the first of his family to be born in America, at least that I know of. And I don't know much about my grandfather, although at one point I had a bottle of cologne that belonged to him, and the scent brought back memories of a man I hardly knew before he passed. They say that your sense of smell is one of the strongest triggers of memories, even ones you didn't know you had. He passed away in 1987 when I was only three years old. A quick Google search allowed me to uncover my grandfather's obituary, which revealed to me several things I didn't know about him. It reads, Services held yesterday for Dr. Nicola Desiato, a Philadelphia police surgeon who died Friday. He was 60 and lived in Feasterville, Bucks County. A general practitioner, Desiato was chief of family practice, head of the outpatient clinic, vice president of the staff, and a member of the executive committee of the James C. Goofrey Medical Center. He also served as chief of family practice and was a member of the Board of Governors and the Executive Committee at Oxford Hospital. He was on the staffs of John F. Kennedy Memorial Hospital, the Parkview Division of Metropolitan Hospital, Rolling Hill Hospital, and Lawndale Community Hospital. Desiato maintained a private practice in Feasterville. Originally from Italy, he was a graduate of the University of Bologna and its medical school. He came to the United States in 1959. He was the same age that I am when he started this new life in America. He was a member of the Philadelphia County and Pennsylvania Medical Societies and the American Medical Association. Desiato had been honored by the Chapel of the Four Chaplains for his years of community service. Survivors include his wife, Wilma Del Choto Desiato, three sons, Luigi, Caesar, and Cesare, and three grandchildren. While the above lists a number of impressive items for a resume, it doesn't quite give me an accurate picture of who he was as a man, and if there are any traits in me that have been passed down, aside from maybe a passing resemblance. I've seen pictures of him playing the guitar. Consequently, all of his sons became musicians, and I've even heard audio tapes of him singing with us when we were very little. Hopefully in the coming years, I'll be able to uncover more about his personality and private life, not just his professional life. As for Joseph Beauchene, my mother's father, he passed away in 1976, seven years before I was born. And sadly, I know even less about him. I've heard some classic stories from my grandmother about how they met, but not nearly enough for me to get a clear picture of who he was, how he ticked, and how, if in any way, I take after him. Unfortunately, I've not been able to locate his obituary online, but I'll keep searching. I know one of my uncles on the Beauchene side is currently tracing our lineage, and I'm excited to see what he finds out. 
I asked my mom to give me some bullet points so that I could understand where he came from and what life experiences changed the trajectory of his life. Here's what I found out. He was born on April 23rd, 1918 to Marjorie Doherty and Joseph Beauchene. His father, my great-grandfather, died in the 1918 flu epidemic when my grandfather was only six months old. So he was raised by a single mom, just like I was. He left high school three weeks before graduation to take a job to help support his mother. He entered the U.S. Army in 1943, served in the South Pacific, and was in the Battle of Okinawa. He married his sweetheart, Ruth Flynn, three weeks after returning from service in January 1946 after a five-year engagement. He worked for golf, but when he was offered a station of his own, he did not have the funds to purchase it. He also worked for Wilkie Buick, and until his death, in 1976, he worked for a Ford dealership in the Flower Town area. He was in charge of the leasing department. He also took other work to help support his wife and six children, including managing the Mervyn and Mayfair movie theaters in the 60s and 70s. By the way, he raised six kids in a three-bedroom, one-bathroom row home in Northeast Philadelphia. We actually just sold it after 67 years of my grandmother living there. Boy, I wish people these days understood the difference between wants and needs. Working in real estate, I hear from my clients that they need four bedrooms or that they need two full bathrooms. Different times, I guess. He only had one week of vacation per year and usually spent it camping with family and friends in various states along the East Coast. He was also a fourth degree member of the Knights of Columbus. He loved to sing. He performed at local minstrel shows in the 1950s. Aha, now there's something interesting. I knew my grandmother was not a performer, but every one of her kids had the performance gene. Of my brothers, you could say that I received the heaviest dose of said gene. He served in his church as an usher, Boy Scout troop leader, and ran the poker table for at least 20 years of church carnivals. I know that both he and my grandmother were and still are very active and committed to their church. Having also served in my church for many years, I can definitely say that I take after him in that way, though I'm not too good at poker. I still have a lot to learn about my family history and how it's led me to being where I am today, but the journey of discovery excites me. I also am reminded that God placed me in this family for a reason. The interesting thing is that when I decided to start in real estate, I came up with the name Desiato Homes for my website. At the time, I didn't really think of it as anything other than my last name. But now, in light of all these things that I've been thinking about, I realize that my business, heck, my entire life, are about carrying on and building on my family's legacy. In a strange way, I feel their support because my success means the success of everyone in my family. It means that the Desiato and Beauchene name will forever stand for something good. They're cheering for me because our legacies will be forever linked. I'm forever connected to these two men, of whom I know only a little. But one thing I see among all of the bullet points listed above is that they were real people with real families. But more importantly, they worked very hard to provide a better life for their family. They worked hard to meet the needs of those close to them and those of total strangers, whether it was through delaying the start of their own family to fight in a war and save the lives of many Americans with families of their own, or by helping people 
in a blue-collar neighborhood secure a vehicle so that they could get to work and provide for their families. Or maybe by dedicating their life to medicine so that they could save lives and provide for people's medical needs. Their legacy is a part of who I am, just as my legacy will be left for my children and grandchildren. That's one of the reasons I write. That's why I document my life through podcasts and videos, so that my children can look back and say that their father worked hard and had integrity, that he cared more about being authentic and genuine with those around him than getting ahead, that he was committed to helping people by giving back and paying forward. However different these two men, Nicola and Joseph, were from each other, and however different their backgrounds, I see one common thread throughout their stories, and this thread is what connects me to them forever. They were just real people, and they were committed to meeting real needs. Isaac Newton said, If I have seen further, it's by standing on the shoulders of giants. So with all that in mind, all this discussion of traditions and legacy, I wanted to do a review of last year and look forward to this coming year. So here's a review of my audacious 2016 goals. Change the world, change a community, save a life, save a soul, pay off all debt, write a book, get a professional acting gig, redeem the real estate industry from its negative reputation, get featured in some form of print media, inspire one person each day to go big or go home. Okay, so obviously not all of these goals are realistic, and not all of them are tangible, but it's the thought that counts. I did manage to write my first ebook, which you can get online at the number six wordsbook.com, sixwordsbook.com. And I'm currently compiling more content to produce my first printed book, which will hopefully be released this year. Over the course of the last year, I wrote over 30 blog posts and recorded over 40 podcasts. I took a moment to highlight some of my favorites, and you can find those by going to jeffreydesiato.com slash 050. That's the show notes for today's episode. All of the blogs and podcasts will be linked there, so you can refer to them at your leisure. I also was able to secure my first professional acting gig back in the spring and have since secured several more. And although I didn't get hired by Sight & Sound for the second year in a row, I continue to pursue my passion of one day performing professionally on a full-time basis. This year, I ran in my first and probably only 5K and lost a total of 25 pounds, 10 of which I just put back on thanks to the holidays. In April... I launched the Real Person, Real Needs Partnership with Habitat for Humanity, Together We Rise, and Bethany Villa, and donated nearly $3,000 to support those in need. Conversely, I also suffered a lot of growing pains, both figurative and physical this year, in life and business. It wasn't always pretty, and I sure don't want to give you the idea that things always go well. All you have to do is go back and listen to episodes 18, 24, and 25 of the podcast, and maybe read a few blog posts to acquaint yourself with some of the lows of 2016. I had to make the difficult decision to part ways with the church plant I'd been a part of for over two years over some differences and concerns that I just couldn't ignore. I also faced a lot of personal, 
and professional rejection in both my business and my theatrical pursuits. But that's par for the course. When you look back over the course of an entire year, there should be ebbs and flows. Life doesn't always trend upward. But in light of this year, I plan on taking the good with the bad and learning the lessons I need to learn in order to better my situation in the coming year. I recently revisited a blog post from this time last year called What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Stronger. And the message still rings true, especially as a new year begins. Next stop could be the last. Next stop could be my last. Could help me forget about help my me past. forget about my past. They say that doesn't kill you, makes you stronger. I turn my back. How much more can I take and move on? James Baldwin was quoted as saying, If you know whence you came, there are absolutely no limitations to where you can go. And every time we enter a new year, it causes me to reflect on the highs and lows of the previous year. The purpose is to see what lessons can be learned and applied in the coming year, but also to look for any markers or patterns that could possibly give me insight into the trajectory of my life. For me, a time of introspection and reflection is always a good thing. It helps me to slow down to unpack and uncover things that get buried and lost in my mind by the constant barrage of work, schedules, texts, social media, school lunches. Who am I kidding? My wife makes those. But overall, parental firefighting that absorbs our lives over the course of 365 days. Kind of like that favorite t-shirt you used to love wearing. It doesn't take much time until it's made its way to the bottom of the drawer, never to be heard from or seen again. But one thing I have noticed is that when we humans reminisce, we do one of two things. Either we refuse to acknowledge our past because some of it has been marked by hurt or failure, or we look back on past events with such fondness that we think we could never reclaim that great feeling or experience going forward. It's important that we take a more measured approach when we're reflecting on our past. My challenge in this new year is to discover how I can make each past life experience, whether good or bad, have its best work for me in the here and now. What do I mean by that? Well, think about it like this. What I may look back on and see as a failure may have actually benefited me in one way or another, and it's my job to find out how. The key is to look back with the right frame of mind and the right pair of glasses. Now, if you followed me through the podcast or read my previous blog posts, you're probably familiar with the roundabout way I ended up in real estate. If you're not, then I recommend you go back and listen to episode one of the podcast. It's kind of like my origin story. It's been my experience that most people in real estate kind of end up in this industry. Most people don't go to college to become a real estate professional. I'm sure you'd be hard pressed to find a second grader who lists real estate agent as their dream job alongside all of their classmates who are aspiring baseball players, doctors, and firemen. And as I look back, I see that last year was one of the most challenging yet rewarding years of my life. In a lot of ways, the entire trajectory of my life changed in the past year. But when you're smack dab in the middle of it, making daily decisions, taking each challenge and obstacle as they come, you can't see the forest for the trees. Now, there have been moments in my life where I completely derailed, through fault of my own, what I thought to have been my trajectory. The cloud of dust and a scream. 
But by looking back on those failures and choosing not to ignore them, I'm able to see a pattern of growth that has led me to the precipice of this new year. You see, for the longest time, I tried to rewrite my story. Ashamed at how things had gone awry by my own hand. But I now realize that every experience has been the crucible in which my character has been forged. My unique outlook and perspective on life are the direct result of those past experiences. So like it or not, they've made me into the man I am today. And don't get me wrong, they do not define me. On the contrary, they drive me to do better. The very fact that I am where I am today proves that those experiences didn't get the best of me. Because in those failures, there was always something to be learned, whether or not I wanted to admit it at the time. For many people, it isn't their own mistakes that dog them and kick them when they're down. It's the wrongs done to them rather than by them. Sadly, there are many that have grown up in difficult environments. And in one way or another, they allow that to determine their path. Some have had alcoholic fathers. And even though they were deeply hurt by this, continue the legacy that was passed down to them by following in their father's inebriated and unsteady footsteps. Others choose to renounce the lifestyle they were exposed to in exchange for something better. No matter which side of this equation you fall on, no matter how many false starts you've had in your career, in your relationships, there's always hope. When you look back on the last year, what do you see? How about five years ago, ten years ago, maybe the 90s or the 80s? Do you see something that is still negatively affecting your present life? A lost job, perhaps. Heck, I've had three of those. Or a failed marriage. Maybe you see the good old days and fear that you peaked too soon. Whatever you see, it cannot define you and it cannot defeat you. It's in the past. What you can do is decide to find a way to make those experiences work for you rather than against you. How can you redeem that time? I, for one, am trying everything I can. I went to broadcasting school because I thought I wanted to be on the radio. Well, almost $10,000 later and seven years of doing a radio show without making a dime could have easily soured me on the whole idea. But instead, I've been reminded that this happened for a reason, and it's my job to use the things that I've learned to go further. That's one of the reasons I launched the Real Person Real Needs podcast. I still have aspirations of acting and singing professionally someday. But those thoughts laid dormant for a long time. Now, as I work to build my business to one day fund those pursuits, I enjoy using my talents in the humorous marketing videos I make for my business. The point is, there's always a way to redeem your past. You just have to be willing to look back and choose to see the silver linings in those tough times. I hope you take a moment to ask God to show you how the many ups and downs of life you've experienced and the scars and bruises you've endured as a result can be used to do the most good in the here and now. It's when we know who we are and who it is that has pulled us through that we can have a clear perspective and not be afraid of what the future holds. My prayer is that you will one day be able to echo the words of Joseph. 
forget about his technicolor dream coat, and say to your past failures and hurts, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Nishan Panwar has a quote that says, always remember where you came from and who you were, but live each day for what you became and who you are. So with all that in mind, I'm starting my list of big, hairy, audacious goals for 2017. Numbers 1 through 10 in order are change the world, impact my community, perform at sight and sound, pay off all debt, donate $10,000 to my real person, real needs partners, publish my first printed book, perform for a well-known regional theater, reach my goal weight, get on TV, be featured in an article of a well-known media outlet. Now, some of these goals are silly, moonshot goals, but I believe it's helpful to articulate them no matter how ridiculous. Many of these goals are also somewhat beyond my control, but I'm choosing to aim high and trust God to do what's best for me and my family in the end. And you know what? I can't wait to get back to work. Yeah, I said it, and I never believed in my life that I would utter those words. That's because up until two years ago, I never really liked working. Who does, really? But as I sat around during the holidays, taking a much-needed siesta for my self-employed life, I developed an itch. I couldn't wait to get back to doing what I love, creating, writing, producing the podcast, connecting with people on a real level. Many of you, if you're honest, dread hearing that alarm on the Monday after a long weekend, vacation, or holiday. And I don't blame you. When you think about it, most of us spend 40 to 60 hours a week working to build someone else's business. And more often than not, what you find yourself doing is nothing like what you imagined when you went off to college to take on the world. Namely, spending the large majority of your waking hours working on someone else's dream. Now, I understand for some people that's just fine. They like being a part of a team. They see themselves as more of a facilitator and are perfectly content being where they are. But this message is for the person who, like I once was, is growing tired of just being an employee. If I could backtrack for a little bit, these last few weeks where I took the podcast off and enjoyed time with my family, I couldn't believe that I was actually looking forward to getting back to work. Now, granted, my work is different than most, and since I don't get paid vacations or holidays, that often contributes to my desire to get back to work. But this feeling was different. I now recognize that I actually enjoy my work. In a small but very crucial way, I've accomplished a goal that I set out to accomplish when I quit my day job. I wanted to enjoy work. I wanted to be using my God-given gifts to provide for my family. And over this holiday season, I realized that I'm doing it. Little by little, a real estate commission check here, an actor stipend there, a live gig everywhere. I love putting this podcast together, which usually stems from my love of writing and documenting my journey. I enjoy working with people and helping them buy or sell their home, especially because of the real person, real needs partnerships I've established. There's nothing like the feeling of handing a check 
to one of the three nonprofit organizations I work with, knowing that my efforts are not only benefiting my family, but are also improving the lives of those in need. Now, the fact that I'm enjoying my entrepreneurial journey doesn't mean that it's easy. It's hardly easy. When I wake up in the morning, sometimes I don't know where the next paycheck is coming from. And in many ways, that's way more stressful and demanding than any day job or boss can be. But I'm learning to enjoy the difficulties as well. Every time I encounter something challenging in real estate, I may still throw a little temper tantrum if I'm being honest. But once I calm down and work on a solution, I realize that I'm able to add that solution to my arsenal once I overcome the obstacle. It's times like these that I'm reminded that there are some people out there, you may be listening right now, who feel like I used to, but have not been able to make the leap that I did. And I take that very seriously. It's a humbling thought. I don't want to take anything in my life for granted. And more importantly, I want to help others find a way to enjoy doing quality work, no matter what point of their career path they may be on currently. That's why, in addition to this podcast, I'm putting together a series of videos that will hopefully help you jumpstart your life or career to get you on the right path. Now, if you're interested in getting these videos sent to you weekly, you can sign up by going to jeffreydesiato.com slash jumpstart. All one word, no dash. jeffreydesiato.com slash jumpstart. Thanks a lot for listening to the Real Person, Real Needs podcast. You can find out more information and check out our archives at realpersonrealneeds.com. This episode featured That's Amore by Dean Martin, Tradition from the original Broadway cast recording of Fiddler on the Roof, and original music by The No Longer, written by yours truly. For more information about my original music, you can check out jeffreydesiato.com and look under the Musician tab. If you'd like to get in touch with us here, you can email us at Jeff, G-E-O-F-F, at realpersonrealneeds.com. That's G-E-O-F-F at realpersonrealneeds.com. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes in order to improve our ranking and get the word out to your friends and family. Thanks a lot for listening, and Godspeed.